45 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Lady, no, 
song fades away, brings us close to the end of the day. Come back on our ways to forgive on the old, grant us a new slate. In this moment, there's a chance to reach to the gate, slipping through the cracks. Is anything you can ask? This moment is short, it doesn't last. Gates are closing, open up your heart. Souls are hoping, looking to a new start. From the hearts brought straight to the one most high When the moment is gone The sun has set and the day is done They shut the gates way up above These gates of mercy, these gates of love Gates are closing, open up your heart Souls are hoping, looking to a new start. Gates are closing, open up your heart. Souls are hoping, looking to a new start. Your eyes.
שלפעמים כשבני אדם שמחים ומרקדים אזי חוטפים איש אחד מבחוץ אזי חוטפים איש אחד מבחוץ שהוא בעצבות ומרה שחורה בעניין השמחה על פי משל שלפעמים כשבני אדם שמחים ומרקדים אזי חוטפים איש אחד מבחוץ אזי חוטפים איש אחד מבחוץ ומכניסים אותו בעל כורחו לתוך מחול המרקדים ומכריחים אותו בעל כורחו ומכניסים אותו בעל כורחו לתוך מחול המרקדים ומכריחים אותו בעל כורחו שיהיה שמח עמהם גם כן שיהיה שמח עמהם גם כן שיהיה שמח עמהם גם כן אחרי המרה שחורה, להכניס אותה גם כן לתוך השמחה. 
אבל מעלה יתרה להתאמץ, לרדוף אחרי המראה שחורה, להכניס אותה גם כן לתוך השמחה, שתתהפך בעצמה לשמחה, שתתהפך בעצמה לשמחה, שתתהפך בעצמה לשמחה.
שימחת אותי, ריפאת אותי, שמרת עליי,
Thank you. 
J.M. in the A.M. Now that is a set of music. Deddy with L'chayetain. Olam Chesed, that was Matt Dub. Shlomo Katz had Todah, Binyana Simcha, Mordechai Ben David. Yoel Sharabi and Kuma Hashem. Shabbos, done by Shlomi Gertner. Aryeh Kunstler's Gates. Aryeh Kunstler is preparing an unbelievable... I don't even know if this is something I could discuss, but I think I think I'll be vague enough. Um, so it's okay for this morning. Uh, Arye Kunstler is preparing an unbelievable theme, musical theme, for our journey to Dubai. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we broadcast from Dubai. Join us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Should be amazing. Ellie Marcus at Yishtabach Katonti, done by Ari Goldwagon, of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this December the 4th, day 18 in the month of Kislev, the year 5781, Tavshin Pei Aleph. Zerav Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach, candle lighting at 4.08, which means the final hour presented by Kedem starts at about 3 p.m. this afternoon. Here on the Nachum Siegel Network, hosted by Mark Zomik, make sure you're tuned in. It's an unbelievable hour and the perfect way to go into Shabbos. Hanukkah is Thursday night, so Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from Dubai, and then we're back to celebrate Hanukkah on Thursday night. 46 degrees, 61% humidity, Windsor West at 6 miles per hour. Light rain today with a high of 51, then tonight cloudy, uh, periods of rain and a low of 45. Morning rain for tomorrow, high shab is 48 degrees, 61 right now in Yerushalayim, we're at 46 here. In New York City, as we say good morning at JM and the AM. About an hour from now, it's the weekly update. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us here for the weekly update at JM and the AM. Um, and um, uh, Harry Rothenberg with words about Vayishlach coming up about 25 minutes from now. Rabbi Yudin, of course, with words on Vayishlach. Coming up later on, plenty all day long, including the Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Erev Shabbos music mix presented by Kedem all day long. There's a lot happening. There's a lot happening, to say the least. There is a lot going on. That is for sure. Um, want to thank all of our wonderful sponsors of our journey next week. A lot of great sponsors. Want to thank all of them, of course. Uh, as we head to the uh, UAE, a lot of amazing people that um, that we're going to be uh, making very proud, I would say, with what we have to offer and what we're doing in the uh, UAE. Uh, and we'll go through some of that later on. And of course, um, I want to thank those who've pointed out that they've seen the Jewish Link piece done by photographer David Beta. It was great to be part of that this week. 
Big shout out to Moshe Kindler and everybody at the Jewish Link. And um, trying to think what else I have to tell everybody. <laughs> there, there are other things, no doubt. There are other things, no doubt, that I need to tell you. I just can't think of any this moment. But anyway, uh, we'll have we'll have plenty to discuss all coming up here at JM and the AM uh, all through the morning. And again, like I said, a weekly update is about one hour away, and uh, we are. We are raring to go with a um, with a uh, amazing journey coming up to Dubai starting on Tuesday morning. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. Here's Micha Gammerman.
Great request from our app for the Chazdei Hashem covered by Eitan Katz on Unplugged Volume Number 3. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galaitz on the background, we'll do our news from Israel coming up. Micha Gammerman before that with the uh, Tfilot Shabbat medley. Trucker Yitz is out there. Reminding everybody we start saying the same Talomotar. Thank you, Trucker Yitz. That would be, just want to make sure I got this right. That would be, uh, 
You know what? We'll check out exactly when it'll be, and we'll let you know. <laughs> Oak Park, California is checking in. That was the Aton Cats request. Thanks to everybody who's checking in on the app. Golly, it's all Israel Army Radio next. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, שלום רב, כאן אלעזר בן לולו עם מה שקורה עכשיו. ברקע הצעת החוק לפיזור הכנסת שעברה השבוע בקריאה טרומית, שר הביטחון וראש הממשלה החליפי בני גנץ הצהיר כי כבר בשבוע הבא תקדם מפלגתו חקיקה לצמצום עלויות הבחירות. בפוסט רשומה בעמוד הפייסבוק שלו כתב גנץ, בחירות הן לא הדבר הנכון למדינה, אבל הן עדיפות בהרבה על שיתוק שלטוני וניהול פוליטי של משבר בריאותי וכלכלי מהחמורים שידענו. לשון הרשומה ממנה הביא כתבנו הפוליטי מיכאל האוזרטוב. עוד הוסיף ראש הממשלה החליפי כי יעלו לדיון גם חוק השוויון לצד תיקון חוק הפונדקאות. כתבנו יניר קוזין מוסיף שוועדת הכנסת תתכנס כבר ביום שני להתחיל במלאכת חקיקת החוק לפירוק הממשלה. מרכז המידע והידע הלאומי של אמ"ן בקריאה לעצור את ההקלות כדי לבלום את הזינוק בתחלואה על פי דוח שפרסם הבוקר המרכז בשיעור הגידול הנוכחי על כל יומיים נוספים בהם יישמר קצב ההדבקה הקיים יידרש יום של סגר מלא. כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסה וולברג מעדכנת שבראשון בצהריים תתכנס ועדת השרים לקורונה לדיון. ההחמרה בתחלואה בקורונה בעזה ממשל חמאס הורה להפסיק את התפילות במסגדים החל ממחר ועד הודעה חדשה בכל רחבי הרצועה. ההמונים נקראו להתפלל בבתים. כתבנו לענייני ערבים ג'קי חוגי מוסר שביממה האחרונה התגלו קרוב ל-800 חולים ברצועה וכ-142 מאושפזים באורח קשה. בתוך כך שר הביטחון בני גנץ פרסם מוקדם יותר פנייה מוקלטת לפלסטינים שבה הוא קורא להם להישמר מפני הקורונה. בסרטון שעלה בפייסבוק אמר גנץ כי ישראל אסרה על אזרחי הערבים להיכנס לשטחי הרשות מחשש להדבקה. לקראת החזרה לחטיבות הביניים ביום ראשון, מנהלי בתי ספר על-יסודיים מוחים נגד מתווה הלימודים של משרד החינוך ודורשים לבצע בו שינויים דחופים, כמו ביטול ההגבלה על מספר הקבוצות המותרות לתלמידים ולמורים, הפחתת חומר הלימוד וצמצום מספר בחינות הבגרות. כתבנו לענייני חינוך דורון קדוש מוסר כי בכוונת המנהלים להפגין בראשון בבוקר מול בניין משרד החינוך בירושלים. רוכב אופנוע כבן 40 נפצע קשה בתאונת הדרכים בכביש 352, סמוך למושב זוהר בנגב המערבי. כתבנו בדרום, רמי שני מוסר שחובשים ופרמדיקים של מד"א טיפלו בו בזירה ופינו אותו לבית החולים ברזילי באשקלון עם פגיעה רב-מערכתית כשהוא מורדם ומונשם. עשרות נגנים ונגניות מתכנסים בשעות האחרונות בכיכר רבין בתל אביב במחאה מוסיקלית על אולמות המופעים הסגורים. בין ההרכבים השונים מועברים מיצגים של כובעים גדולים על מנת להמחיש את הצורך הגובר בתרומות. כתבת התרבות טליה כהן מציינת כי אל הכיכר הגיעו עד כה כ-200 בני אדם. מזג האוויר ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות, בצפון הארץ ובמזרחה ייתכן גשם מקומי, בלילה גשמים בצפון ובמרכז, מלווים בסופות רעמים. לידיעת המטיילים, כל מסלולי ההליכה והגלישה במדבר יהודה יהיו סגורים במהלך סוף השבוע בשל חשש לשיטפונות. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת וישלח. בירושלים בחמישה לארבע, בתל אביב בארבע ושש עשרה דקות, בחיפה בארבע ושלוש עשרה, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע ושמונה עשרה. באלה זמני צאת השבת מחר, בירושלים בחמש וארבע עשרה דקות, בתל אביב בחמש ושש עשרה, בחיפה בחמש ושלוש עשרה, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת בחמש ושבע עשרה דקות. לכל מאזיננו, שבת שלום, אלה החדשות.
With Simcha Liner. Takes me back to Kosher Halftime Show 2020. Wow, hard to believe that that Kosher Halftime Show was in the same year <laughs> as everything that's been happening over all these months. Wow. Rise Up. Yeah, Kosher Halftime Show 2020 featured Simcha Liner actually doing that impromptu concert on Central Avenue in the in Cedarhurst, if you remember. You could look it up. <laughs> hey, go to YouTube, search Kosher Halftime Show. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What a selection and what a job he did. Um, Harry Rothenberg has uh, something to say regarding uh, Parshas. One second. I just want to make sure I am set up here. Uh, Harry Rothenberg has something to say regarding Parshas Vayishlach. Oh, sorry about that. Wow. There we go. Um, and let's see here. There we go. Uh, and here we go with his words about Parshas Vayishlach at JM in the AM. Yaakov, Jacob, has built a large family. And now after more than three decades away, he's taking his wives and his children, and he's heading back to the Holy Land. He knows he's going to meet up with his twin brother, Esav, whom when he last left him was in a murderous rage. And he's worried that Esav may still be furious with him and may try to kill him. So he's concerned if they fight, he may end up dying or he may end up killing his twin brother. 
So he takes all sorts of precautions, but then finally it's time. So he ferries his wives and his children across the river, but then he goes back alone. And while he's back there alone, he gets attacked by Aesop's angel. They wrestle throughout the night. Yaakov prevails, but he's wounded. When we read this story, we can't help but wonder, why was he left there alone? Why did he go back himself over the river? The Talmud gives us the answer. He went back because he had forgotten some small jugs. Small jugs? That sounds inconsequential. Why wouldn't he have just left them behind or sent some servants to retrieve them? The Talmud continues. He went back because to the righteous, to tzaddikim, like Yaakov, they value their possessions more than their bodies. Now that is a bizarre statement if I've ever heard one. What is the Talmud suggesting? That the righteous are petty? That they're greedy? So why did he go back over that river alone for some worthless jugs? He was trying to teach us, and the Talmud's trying to teach us, a deep psychological insight. To the extent that the righteous, that Sadiqim value their possessions more than their bodies, the reason is that they realize their bodies are a gift from God. They didn't work for them. Their possessions, they worked for. But what's so precious to them is not the blood, the sweat, the tears, the physical toil that they put into acquiring those possessions. It's the spiritual toil. Because the righteous, the Talmud tells us, never lift their hands in theft. They make sure that every dollar they earned is never earned through dishonesty, through deceit, through fraud, through even the appearance of impropriety. That's difficult, and that's precious to them. And so that's why Yaakov goes back himself to get those jugs to teach us that, that if we are that careful, if we exercise self-restraint, self-control, and discipline to make sure that every dollar we earn is earned honestly, it will be incredibly precious to us. My thanks to Harry Rothenberg. His words about Parshas Vayishlach here at JM and the AM. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayishlach, with candlelighting in New York at 4.08. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Obviously, uh, Shabbos is starting much, much earlier than it was a few weeks ago. And you want to make sure you are where you need to be uh, when, of course, uh, Shabbos begins. Uh, Pesach Friedman is with us live via telephone from Israel. He is the CEO of an organization called Chaim Vechesed. In fact, those of you who want to check out the website can go to Chaim Vechesed, literally Chaim, C-H-A-I-M, V, Chesed, with two S's, dot com. Chaimlechesed.com. And the uh, organization started back in 2015. And from what we hear, uh, they are doing quite a job in helping people out in general and specifically now during this COVID 19 situation. Pesach Friedman, shalom and welcome to JM and the AM. Good morning, Nachum. It's great to be here. Appreciate that. Nice to speak with you. Why was Chaim Vechesed started five years ago? That's a great question. So, as you know, Nachum, it's a, it's wonderful to live in in Eretz Israel, in the land of Israel, and it's a great place. But when there are difficulties, and you're a foreigner, you're an outsider, you're an English speaker, whether you're a tourist or even if you move to an Aliyah, it gets a little challenging. You don't know the language, you don't know the culture, you don't know how things work. And we really stepped in to fill that void to make life a lot easier for the English speakers here in Israel. And we address every area of crisis or challenge. What were the early crises and challenges? What were the first things that Chaim Mechesed was doing when it first started? 
Well, it started off with a lot of hospital assistance. We don't give medical referrals, but if a foreigner finds himself in the hospital system here, it's extremely intimidating, overwhelming. Again, you don't know the language, you don't know the culture, you think you're, you've just fallen into a different planet. And we've got today, we've, we're up to three representatives working for us full time in the hospital to just give people guidance through that and really all the medical systems. But that expanded to every area of bureaucracy of life here in Israel, dealing with the government, dealing with the U.S. Embassy if you're an American citizen, and Misrat Apnim, Bitoch Lomi, and so on. Wow. Uh, are you able to do things for people all over Israel, or you're concentrating on one area or city in Israel? So we're based in Jerusalem, and the bulk of the English-speaking population is in the greater Jerusalem area, Yerushalayim, Beit Shemesh, Beit and so on. About 85% of, of our clientele is in this area. But we get calls from all over. We get calls from Carmiel, Zichron Yaakov, Tzat, and we've, we have contacts or you know, ways that we can help there as well. By the way, one of the reassuring things that you're telling us this morning is that there are ways to actually get around some of the bureaucracy and to make progress in those offices in Israel. At least, at least people now know that it's possible. They just may need the right direction, the right guidance. That's 100% correct. <laughs> and people, some people thought, of course, that uh, it's a, a, a completely uh, um, uh, lost uh, situation, but uh, thank God you've been proving that you're able to actually help them out in cases like that. Um, pandemic, COVID-19, I can only imagine how many things uh, have been going on that have made your work even more complicated and more necessary. What are some of the things you've been addressing specifically over the last few months? Well, that's, that's uh, quite a boatload, I should say, of what we've been addressing. If until COVID, we thought we were busy because we had about 100 cases each day of all areas. Uh, when COVID hit, the rest of the country shut down. We started working at around 150%. Our staff is just staggering. We're up to now an average of 200 cases a day. Wow. Uh, the things that that include are foreigners trying to get into the country, let's say, for the funeral of a loved one or a relative here in Israel who's in a medical emergency. Um just English speakers not understanding the requirements of quarantine or, or COVID testing and so on. Different government offices that shut down and moved a lot of their, their services to online. But if you're not a citizen, you only have a passport, you couldn't access those things. Uh, visa holders, visas were expiring, so we got the Interior Ministry to extend those visas. Uh, and uh, many, many things in between. I mean, whether it was people trying to get from Israel, from abroad into Israel for a reason, or people in Israel needed to fly out because they had, let's say, a relative was ill in, uh, in the U.S., but they couldn't get a U.S. passport because the embassy was closed. It's just been a, a crush of every kind of thing you can imagine and not imagine. And and by the way, you know, it's funny, I joked earlier about at least you've proven that there's, you know, a way around things and that there's actually a solution. But I think one of the more frustrating things that we've been hearing about is that even people like yourself, who are very familiar with the system, so to speak, when it's come to COVID-19, those restrictions and rules and laws and guidelines either change every day or different offices or officials may tell you a different story than the previous one did. Have you faced that? Uh you 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 uh, you hit the nail on the head, Nahum. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing, I hope successfully, is really uh, deploying that information to the English-speaking public. But the difficulty that we have, even though we have our connections with each different government ministry, is that they themselves either don't know what's really going on or what the rule is, or one official will tell you this. I mean, uh, this 
once was a joke, but now it's actually reality. You can call the Misrata Briot, the health ministry, to get clarification on, on a quarantine requirement. If you call four times, you'll get approximately three, four different answers. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, at least you're there to hopefully uh, cut through that red tape. The stat that was given to me is that in the month of November, just the four weeks, the month of November that just ended, uh, you took over 6,500 phone calls from people trying to navigate situations like this. That's pretty astounding. That is correct. Unbelievable. Uh, all right. Uh, one of the things that we've um, encouraged our listeners to do is support causes that are uh, uh, essential, uh, especially for people in Israel who are desperate for help. Um, and that's why we're recommending that people go to ChaimVachesed.com, ChaimVachesed.com. Uh, Pesach Friedman is with us live via telephone. The unfortunate part for you, Pesach, is after this conversation, you actually may get more cases and, and in comparison to the people who are out there to support your cause. I can imagine the more people learn about you and your organization, uh, the more cases you continue to get. That's 100% correct. Now, every time we do get a little bit of publicity, it does bring a deluge of more cases. But frankly, that's what we're here for. We're here to help. And uh, we dive in to be able to do uh, to help more people and to help people more. And is it very simple? People who log onto the website can find an easy way to support you and to keep your work going? Absolutely. We're right now starting Sunday and Monday, meaning on the 6th and 7th of December, we're running a cause match campaign. And if you log onto the website, you'll just click on the icon there and be taken directly to the cause match campaign. We're trying to raise $400,000 on Sunday and Monday, and that's going to allow us to keep helping people like we've been doing. Is that a straightforward campaign or a double or triple campaign? How's it described? I like the way you put it. It's a straightforward campaign. And we're not doing any matching. It's actually an actual raise of fresh money, which we're bringing in to be able to do much more chesed. So the goal is 400000 Everybody out there, the uh, Chaim V'Chesed organization starts on Sunday, a two-day cause match campaign. Again, the goal is $400,000. And the good news is that those of you listening right now or at any time uh, today or over the weekend, you can give right now. You don't have to wait till Sunday to give. You can literally go right now. Uh, go to the Chaim Vechesed website. Let me spell it out for you. Chaim, C-H-A-I-M, Vechesed, V-C-H-E-S-S-E-D.com. And when you go there, you'll be able to get straight to the uh, Cause Match campaign and get them off to a good start. Look, it's very simple, everybody. There's somebody in Israel uh, who are helping uh, – who, who, there's a group in Israel who are helping people with, uh, with situations in so many different areas, whether it's medical and Kubat Cholim, whether it's a governmental advocacy, special ed a guidance, hospital guidance, and all the different things that Pesach just said regarding COVID and all these situations, my God, with travel and with seminaries and yeshivas and with uh, people who unfortunately have lost uh, loved ones and have to deal with that, uh, whether they're being brought to Israel or whatever the case may be. Uh, there, are, there are so many things that they are doing to make sure that everybody um, can, uh, can be helped and can be helped in terms of navigating all these situations. So again, we're highly recommending. You know, we bring good causes to you, and this is one of them. Cause Match Campaign starts Sunday, $400,000 goal. Give what you can. Go to ChaimVechesed.com, Chaim, C-H-A-I-M, Vechesed, V-C-H-E-S-S-E-D.com, and help a group that's helping our brothers and sisters in Israel. Pesach Friedman, anything else you'd like to add, sir? No, Nachum, I think you uh, said it as well as I could. And the bottom line is there are, there are a lot of great needs out there, and we're just helping Jews from the Anglo-Saxon world who want to come to the land of Israel. 
uh, make their lives a lot better. And thank you, for, thank you for all those that are helping us. Well, you're doing your part. We always say the future of the Jewish peoples in the state of Israel, and you're helping people uh, navigate to make it as easy as possible to be there and to take care of things. Pesach, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks for joining us. And good luck with the campaign. Thank you. Good Shabbos, Nachum. J.M. in the A.M. at 20 minutes before 7 o'clock as we continue here at the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yoni Ganut with Odi Shema Koli. Very nice. Wow. I want to thank Mayor Weingarten made us aware of that selection. Really beautiful. Yosef Chaim with Alecha here at JMN. And we head to Dubai. Uh, we broadcast from the UAE on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week. Big thank you to all of our amazing sponsors. A big thank you to our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum Financial Services. TaxCPA2.com. TaxCPA2.com. 1-800-TAX-CPA-2. Big thank you to uh, Morty Getz and everybody at Shop Eichler's. A big thank you to the uh, koshertravelers.com. Koshertravelers.com. You know, a lot of people, you have to check out the website. You have to check out the website. Go to koshertravelers.com because aside from the UAE piece, they've got cruises and missions and... Uh, and incredible uh, vacations, exotic and uh, and not so exotic. They've got everything. Uh, if you go to koshertravelers.com, you will see an entire array of uh, different uh, journeys that they have around the world, including Israel and many other places. For the UAE, koshertravelers.com has offered a very interesting trip. Uh, they have a January yeshiva break trip 
where one can travel with family to the UAE and have their family and friends from Israel travel and meet them there. <laughs> they have a unique program. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's a unique program where you could actually meet up with everybody you haven't seen in months in the UAE and vacation together and enjoy a, a wonderful time. So that's happening um, uh, during Yeshiva break in January. Check it out by going to koshertravelers.com. Again, koshertravelers.com. And check out all that they have. There's just a, an entire array of uh, of um, historic, exotic um, uh, trips and cruises and a lot of uh, interesting adventures. Go to koshertravelers.com. Check it out. And again, for the January trip, if you go to their website, um, uh, you'll see all the information about the UAE uh, during Yeshiva break. Um, I want to thank the UAE Israel Business Council. I want to thank Cross River Bank. Thank you very much to Jill's Gade and Phil Goldfeder and everybody at Cross River for their participation. It is much appreciated. Uh, don't forget our friends at Art Scroll. Have the brand new Nishmas book. Yeah, when you're in when you're in shul tomorrow and you see Nishmas, you'll uh, hopefully understand it a drop better and appreciate it even more, because you've read Rabbi Besser's book. We had a chance to speak with him earlier in the week, and uh, he really is uh, spectacular. And the whole Nishmas prayer, which I think everybody who's grown up, you know, in this uh, area of Judaism would agree that uh, it's it's something extra special, no doubt. But boy, do you see how extra special it is when you read his book. So if you want 20% off of that book or 3,000 other titles, 20% off, no minimum, and free shipping, go to artscroll.com and use promo code radio. Again, go to artscroll.com and use promo code radio. You'll be glad you did that, I could tell you. want to thank our friends at Partners in Torah, those of you who are considering being a partner or a mentor, or I should say a student or a mentor in the Partners in Torah program, call one 800 Study for two one eight hundred study the number four and then the number two or log on to partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org. Also check out partnersintorah.org slash Shabbat, a unique opportunity to really hop on the Partners in Torah bandwagon with a beautiful Shabbat curriculum. Partnersintorah.org slash Shabbat. Check it out and uh, you'll see what's going on there. It is a very, very, um, rel- I should say relatively. I was going to say comprehensive. I think it's better to say relatively simple. Uh, curriculum that uh, that is there and ready for you to explore uh, with a partner. And, of course, we highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> to all those who are reacting to this trip with such wonderful comments, I thank you. I, 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 in just, just moments ago, I was thinking about what article I'm going to write while I'm on the plane heading to the UAE, and I have so many thoughts going through my head, but I really appreciate all the Wonderful feedback we're getting. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net, and enjoy a 10% discount with the promo code RADIO and try a&H today. Want to call your attention to our friends at shopeichlers.com. Remember, you have till the end of this week to take advantage of their 10% off site-wide with the promo code CYBER2020. Yeah, simple as that. Check it out, CYBER2020. That is the uh, that is the um, uh, promo code that you want when you visit shopeichlers.com. Shopeichlers.com and Eichlers in Borough Park, Brooklyn, a great Great sponsor and supporter of our mission to Dubai, which starts on Tuesday, as you know. Go to shopeichlers.com. A whole bunch of items 
are available on the website. I mean, you can't imagine how beautiful the website is and uh, how categorized uh, it is. It's just done so well. Uh, but in addition to that, they have a um, an offer where you could actually, in the New York, New Jersey area, get same-day delivery on your order, which is pretty amazing. And uh, 10% off right now if you use the promo code CYBER2020. 10% off use the promo code CYBER2020. Go to shopeichlers.com, everybody, and enjoy shopeichlers.com. Not only a proud supporter and sponsor of JM and the AM, but a proud supporter and sponsor of our journey to Dubai, which starts this coming Tuesday. More coming up. It is a Friday morning. Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. I thank everybody for tuning in. Here's Lachado D. Zevi Kaufman at JM in the AM.
Yeah, 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 yeah
The Destiny Foundation is proud to present this series. Well, that's what happens when you're getting last-minute instructions from Mr. Honline regarding the journey to Dubai. <laughs> you, you sort of uh, neglect the musical presentation for a moment, and all of a sudden you're uh, you're, you're playing the beginning of a Rabbi Wine recording. Uh, anyway, we get to Malcolm in a second. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Thank you, JewishWorldReview.com. If you want thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world to print out before Shabbos, guess what? That's a great resource, and get used to it. Every single day you should be going there. And checking it out, jewishworldview.com. Avram Fried had Mayin Olam Haba. He also had the uh, Nigun Shabbos and Yantav that you just heard. And um, and a reminder that tomorrow night we start saying the same Talomotar. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach. And uh, tomorrow night, uh, even though in Israel, of course, they've been saying the same Talomotar since uh, nearly the beginning of Cheshvan, uh, we, everyone else outside of Israel, start saying it tomorrow night. Keep that in mind. And all Gaboyim, make sure to remind everybody, no matter where you are, even in a backyard minion, figure out a way to remind everybody about Vesein Tal Umatar. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. Appreciate that. And I wish you a safe trip. Appreciate that as well. It's a great experience coming up, especially the first time you go and you're, it's a little overwhelming at times but make sure you see the indoor aquarium in the uh in the shopping mall do you know no joke and my kids always laugh at me i love aquariums i mean like if there's a daytime activity with my at family the fishy story I, i'm not kidding i love aquariums so if you're <laughs> telling me they really have a high quality one there that's fantastic unbelievable oh i can't wait no, to it's see it's like now. a couple stories high big glass wall but you can take a boat around inside Oh, I can't. you 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 basically just just scheduled my three hours of touring that we have available. <laughs> I will be spending it there, and I'm glad. I can't believe with all the people preparing us for this trip, no one mentioned that to me. But I guess because it's in the mall, everyone talks about going to the gigantic mall. So I guess that's why. Anyway, uh, I thank you for that, and we will please God speak next Friday, and I'll be able to uh, uh, to give you some uh, personal accounts of what uh, of what went on in the UAE. Um, well, I guess, Malcolm, if I told you that I was applying for the job of uh, head nuclear scientist for Iran, you would likely discourage me from taking that job. No, not at all. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 
just make sure your uh, insurance is paid up uh, for, for Stacy's sake and uh, kids. But otherwise, no, it's highly recommended. It's a very lucrative job. You get a, a lot of attention, and um, especially from outside the country. He actually- but this guy was irreplaceable. And regardless of what people say, like Suleimani, it's not just his scientific knowledge, which he got at MIT, by the way. Wow. Um, but it's his, it's the management skills, the experience uh, at a very critical time for them. That uh, this is not something you, if somebody will come into the position, but it's not a replacement uh, for for him. And those who think and say this was done to sabotage the, the Biden administration, this was planned, it had to be planned months, if not even years ago. They're tracking the intensity of this effort. Uh, now they're saying the Iranian regime now says there was no assassins on the site. It was all done by remote control, and which is trying to explain why they didn't catch him. You know, he had security guards with him, but they were not paying attention. Uh, it was brilliantly executed, and I'm sure there will be half a dozen movies, each one with a different take on how uh, this was done. But we have to remember that, that the nuclear program is an existential threat. It's not just a minor um, issue. So we've seen that Israel and others, whoever were involved, were showing that you can, there are other ways to, to address their nuclear program other than bombing it from the air. Uh, we saw it with the explosions that took place. We've seen it in the stealing of the the records that that were uh, uh, taken out. And I think the, the um, you know, the condemnations by Belgium and uh, Iraq and South Korea and others, and the fact that the, the EU um, commissioners sent uh, condolences to the wife, and uh, we heard NPR talking about the poor, the young widow. I mean, this, uh, this is incredible. This is a guy who's, who's responsible for a, a program that violates international law, could theoretically be called a, a war criminal, uh, and and the you know this is part of the evil intent of the Iranian government with its support for Hezbollah, its, its efforts around the world, and certainly in the region. So these crocodile tears are really quite incredible, but not surprising, I guess, in the world in which we are living today. Even though I didn't remember, and I'm sure most people didn't remember, the Prime Minister of Israel actually put out a warning for this guy. Uh, I right. mean, I mean, you know, put a hit on him, I guess one could say, you know, from the perspective of the West, but put a warning out for him and those who were in Iran. I mean, I, I guess I'm assuming that he did travel and 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 was always, you know, given as much security and as much, you know, high level security as possible. Right. And nonetheless, whoever did this was able to overcome that. He had security, he had only two cars with him uh and there are also disputes about that one car went ahead to check out his house, that uh, it was a neighborhood where a lot of RGC uh, officers live. And the um, and and then they claimed that he, they were aware, the, the government of Iran said we were aware that he was a target and we took precautions because there's obviously a lot of demands now for explanations from the people about how come yeah. the Iran Revolutionary Guard and others, the security establishment doesn't detect who blew up these buildings, how they could knock off this guy. The, the, a lot of questions that were consistently being raised, and so they're scrambling for to give answers and, of course, issuing threats. 
uh, and the fact that there hasn't been uh, a response that should not come from people. We should everybody should be careful traveling uh, in visible to it being visible. Uh, and it could be Jewish targets, could be Israeli targets. We've seen them uh, do, doing it in the past. You know, there's in fact the interesting thing is there was a trial that started the same days in Belgium of an Iranian diplomat who was based in Vienna, and other Iranians went on trial in Antwerp for a plot to blow up a rally in France of prominent Iranian opposition groups. And a, this guy brought a bomb through because he had diplomatic immunity through the diplomatic pouch. It was, you know, that doesn't get any attention. People are not right. screaming that innocent people were, were about to be killed. Yeah. Understood. Uh, just back for a moment to the specific episode, because as you brought up, you know, some are saying it was done remotely, robot, etc. Originally, uh, we assumed that they were just assassins who were, you know, taking care of business. Uh, Iran did release photos of suspects. So what are those? Are those photos of real suspects or are those just, you know, they, they needed to, to give the impression that they were, you know, on the case and, and put out some pictures? Yeah, and you notice that those pictures sort of disappeared. Yeah. Uh, and these were, uh, I think that they are, in fact, dissident, member, Arab dissidents in in, uh, in Iran. Um, people were saying it's Israeli Arabs, that one looks to Jewish. As far as I know, nobody's identified the four people, but uh, they're saying that they were uh, dissidents who were working in concert, so this gives them an excuse to crack down domestically if they make those kind of assertions. And the problem here is that unlike some of the other attacks, like Natanz and other things, people didn't demand uh, retribution, but because they have raised the specter so high and the uh, threats of, of uh, now the modulus has introduced legislation to double the budget for their nuclear program, and it already before this had initiated measures to uh, raise the, the amount that they could enrich and uh, all these violations and saying they're not going to come back into the um, uh, JCPOA, even though the new administration has indicated that that's their, their intent. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, the Iranians assassinate people all the time in Europe and elsewhere outside of their own borders, and that does not count. But when somebody like this is eliminated uh, who is involved in a, a most dangerous activity, that will destabilize everybody. It's not about Israel. I don't know if Israel did it or not, but whoever did it should be given a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, the people who did it, because even if it's a remote operation and even if it's you know by robot, I assume someone still has to be in the country or in the vicinity to actually make it work. The people who did it, you suspect, are still in the country, or you can't conjecture. Uh, I am sure the people who did it are not uh, are not accessible. Uh, that the guy who owned the van, for instance, they caught, they found one of the vans, and it was somebody who left the country the day before. So, and he bought it in, for cash from a, a villager somewhere in in Iran. Uh, and and we don't know yet what is really true that they they are saying that this remote electronic system, because that will um, mitigate some of the criticism. Uh, whether that's really true or not, nobody has uh, acknowledged. So we have to give it a chance to see what what is uh, going to happen. And and um, uh, uh, what was I going to ask? In terms of the remote system and um, and the way it operates, wouldn't if there really was a human being 
near the operation. Wouldn't some satellite or, you know, there are cameras everywhere, right? That's the impression today. There's cameras everywhere. And I would assume that there are satellite pictures from space of, of many areas, right? Wouldn't it have picked up if there was actually a person there? Wouldn't it have picked it up? Or not necessarily satellite photos of, of an area like that. And it could be that this street, because first the reports of people on motorcycles, then and right. two cars, right. and that 12 people were involved. So why are there no photos of those involved? motorcycles? Why is there, or is it just a, like they chose an area where they knew it wasn't under surveillance? Because they can uh, ride up even on an narrow street right next to a car and plant a, uh, an explosive on it or shoot into it. And there are reports that, that uh, you know, there was an attempt on him a number of years ago, and he jumped out of the car, um, and and his life was was spared. Right. So, you know, the, um, here he may have gone out of the car. Also, at, at first they didn't think it was um, an attack. They they thought it was something that happened to the car, and he got out. And when he was out on the ground, they got him. And then they said that somebody came over and and shot him to make sure, but. I don't know that uh, I don't know yet that we have an inkling of uh, the truth. Is it all about him? Meaning, let's say he was the top scientist in North Korea, would, would there be an international effort to take him out there, or is it because we just don't trust Iran as much as we trust North Korea, or vice versa? And that's why, you know, because he's working for the Iranians, there's no choice but to take him out. Well, Iran is threatening all of its neighbors, and uh, th- them getting the nuclear bomb would mean that destabilizing the whole region. It would threaten every country in the Gulf, all of their neighbors, but also countries around the world. And it's part of the problem of, of them getting back the money, getting tens of billions of dollars from the sale of if, if the restrictions are lifted, then uh, they would then be able to get all the weapons they want and move ahead as they have all along with their nuclear program. I mean, they're lying and they're cheating. Uh, as we speak, we know it. Uh, the idea that they would become nuclear would a set off a nuclear arms race in the region, where Saudi Arabia, Egypt, others, would all, Turkey, everybody will go nuclear and get nuclear weapons. But more, more importantly, we know that they're an irresponsible party engaged today in all sorts of efforts to destabilize regimes and, and manifest terrorism. Hezbollah, right. well, thank God, has been cut back on the funds. To me, the money aspect now is uh, that that they could get by uh, United States rejoining the JCPOA. And if they get, he needs right now $20 billion to support his terrorism activities abroad. He needs $20 billion right now to stabilize his currency. They say altogether he needs $60, $70 billion immediately uh, to for for immediate needs, so the, that that to me is is the danger because the the maximum pressure campaign was working and everybody who says that it wasn't is not right. right. It was working. It was limiting their ability. They they were selling much less gas even though it's increased, uh, but they have to sell it through secondary and tertiary uh, markets. So this is uh, and the elimination of this guy. It's not the first guy. It's not the last guy in the world that that who is in a position like that, who has been eliminated, yeah. not any run. Right. Uh, but just b- based on my question then about the whole North Korea comparison, even though to people like myself and many Westerners, the two seem similar, we don't realize the vast differences in, in on the diplomatic field of what's going on in North Korea as compared to Iran. In other words, I'm not saying North Korea are good guys. I'm just saying that it's a much more serious situation. Well, you know, they work together. There's a synergistic relationship, and even this guy... Al-Hassad was in North Korea at the time of some of the nuclear tests. 
Um, and we know the North Koreans are in, in uh, Iran, and you, you know that in Syria, for instance, the nuclear reactor that was, thank God, eliminated um, a couple of years ago was a joint project of Iran and, and uh, North Korea. The, the missile system that Iran uses based on the Nodong of North Korea. North Korea benefits from the information of the, of the Iranians' nuclear uh, tests. So the, the linkage is not far-fetched, uh, actually, but it, it is, the circumstances are somewhat different. America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Uh, our trip to the UAE, tune in Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to hear our shows from Dubai. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I'll move on in a minute because there's other things to talk about, but just to, there are a couple of things. You mentioned the Biden administration and whether this would have an effect, and, and you felt it was uh, it's silly to conjecture that this was you know done timing-wise because of the change coming up in Washington. Um, but but the question is, you know, we wonder, and we heard what he had to say about this last night about the whole Iran situation. We wonder about the diplomatic discussions that he wants to start with Iran when he becomes president. And, you know, when Iran makes it clear that they want to bar nuclear inspectors and Iran makes it clear that they blame the West, not just Israel, for what happened, uh, you know, in my mind, it's a golden opportunity for him to really continue to keep the distance between the U.S. and Iran. But it seems like there's nothing stopping him. It seems like he's committed no matter what. When he becomes president, there will be open diplomatic discussions with them. Would you anticipate that, that he's going to go forward like that? 100%. Hundred percent. That that is what he said during the campaign. Uh, I don't think that they're just going to give a blank check on it. But the and some of his people in the administration are were advocates of the JCPOA, but they are cautious. They're not. They're, some of them have a lot of experience in this area, and they have to see the reality on the ground and listen to our allies. Um, we've heard talk that they will be tougher on Egypt, tougher on Saudi Arabia, human rights issues, other things. But the, the real key question is, what do you do about Iran, and to a lesser degree about what do you, or equally Turkey, both of which are so aggressive and and threatening our interests, building bases, expanding their networks, South America, Africa, all over the Middle East, into Europe. The, these are real challenges, and and you know you can have a difference of of opinion about what's the best way to leverage Iran. They'll say, look. You did maximum pressure, but the nuclear program is still advancing. So that program, that approach didn't work. But we do know that the only language the Iranians understand is when you're tough with them, when you when they see that there's a price to pay, and they have paid a heavy price, and don't and nobody should believe it didn't have an impact on their ability to engage in some of this terrorism. We know Hezbollah guys have not been paid. We know that in Syria they had a cutback. We know that they, it was true in, in terms of their money to Hamas which, you know, now Turkey is giving others are, are involved there as well. So, you know, the approach is, and, and this was the latest comment, was that he would go into it and then negotiate from there. But that I assume that it, they wouldn't move the, remove the restrictions and the sanctions until the negotiations. But he said that if they are in compliance and they're willing to recommit, then they would be willing to remove some of the sanctions. Right. Look, a lot of those were by executive order. There are hundreds of them against Iranian targets, and they've already had a couple of months to work on these things to, to remove them. And I think that we'll see early on some of these things as gestures and as um, 
um, what they believe to be uh, an approach to the way to deal with uh, an Iranian regime. I know, and it just seems so absurd. You're dealing with an administration, I mean now in Iran, that's that's making a commitment to bar nuclear inspectors, that wants to double its nuclear budget and has basically publicly said so, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you're going to the table with a, with a group of people that are just, you know, not interested in a real deal. They're just interested in continuing forward until they get what they want. Well, some of that could be, you know, leverage where they play a good guy, bad guy. Rouhani came out against the doubling the budget by the modulus for the nuclear program and the amount uh, enriched and even saying that they should withdraw from all of their commitments under JCPOA. So now he looks like the moderate. And we know that Rouhani and Zarif uh, are just the same kind of wolves, but in sheep's clothing, they're used by the only person who makes decisions, and that's uh, Khamenei, the supreme leader, and they're facing an election in June. So you have to understand that within Iran, this is the the dominant consideration for them, is the race that is already on that will for the election that will take place in, in um, I think, the end of May, beginning of June, uh, and Rouhani will be out, So uh, by all estimates. So you're going to have um, the, the fight is over whether the hardliners will emerge or not. Everybody's a hardliner. Right. You only need the question of degree and kind of whether they wear a suit or not. But this is, you know, we have to, they're very clever. The Iranians are smart people. They, they are shrewd in their dealings, maybe sometimes too smart. The, the nuclear program brings no benefit to the people. And, and you have tremendous dissent within the country. And if they don't see that the West is going to stand up with them and for them against the regime, then the opposition will, will diminish too. When they saw it with Trump and, and, and frankly, didn't do all that they should have done for the dissident groups and supporting them, but much more than in the past, um, th- that encourages them in that, and they stand up against the regime. Remember, the, the Farsis are less than half of the, gover- of the population. You have tremendous uh, ethnic groups, and you have within the Farsi group even a lot of dissent, especially amongst young people. So there are opportunities that could bring around change. If if it's properly uh, guided, yeah, and you know, you gave us such a good uh, assessment of Turkey last week, and I paid more attention to it this week for that reason. And it, it, it's ve- it's very similar situation, by the way. We want to take over everything. We want to have power throughout the entire region, but we also, you know, we need the benefits of of, of what our neighbors have, whether it's Israel or the U.S. could do us something. Like, no, there's no interest in compromising. No, no interest in putting together a real deal, a real diplomatic effort. And but I, both of them have a lot of uh, – you're making an important point about the similarities between the two. Both have a Germanic goal. One's what, one wants the Ottoman Empire. One wants to recreate the Persian Empire. Right. They both are building bases all over. They're expanding their influence. They support terrorist entities. They, they have radical ideologies. One is Sunni. One is Shiite. But both are in, involved in activities. And, you know, Europe is now contemplating a whole package of sanctions against – uh, Iran against uh, Turkey, sorry, and France is leading uh, the charge because of the things that Erdogan said against Turkey, against France, calling boycotts and um, uh, even attacking um, uh, Macron by name. So there are really a lot of similarities in terms of what both are doing and how both are destabilizing other countries and targeting other countries. You see Iran, uh, Turkey is hosting Hamas now in Ankara, giving them passports, enabling them to travel, other stuff that they, they're doing. I mean, we can do whole shows on each of them about the, the many things that they are doing to uh, to destabilize. And, you know, the Europeans pay attention one week, and then it seems to, to dissipate the next. But this resolution 
was passed, I think it was like 630 to 3, with 60 abstention that the European Parliament for a non-binding resolution mm. in support of Cyprus against Turkey and, and more about the, their uh, their gas exploration in the Mediterranean. And they're doing progressive things. In fact, they just built a base now in Mogadishu. That's how far it's going because that is a critical position in the Red Sea. And Egypt is building a base right there as well, uh, near there on the other side, to um, to counter Turkish or to try to limit Turkey's ability to expand its influence there in the in the region. By the way, on the scientist hit, were you surprised, or or am I not aware about a UN uh, condemnation of that attack? Uh, you, you're not aware because they didn't do it. They didn't. They do couldn't. It. No country, according to the president of the Security Council, made a request that there be a condemnation. Interesting, huh? Um, all right, now to everyone's favorite topic, Malcolm, and you know what that is in the year 2019. Baseball. In the year 2019, there were two elections in the state of Israel. In the year 2020, there was one election in the state of Israel. Now in the year 2021, it looks like they're going to the polls again. Uh, I guess Prime Minister and, and th- those who you know who analyze these situations and really appreciate the naivete and the, uh, uh, the, the politically uh, novice Benny Gantz um, I, I guess they would say at this point that since uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu set things up for this to happen, for the government to fall and for a new election to be called, I assume Prime Minister Netanyahu, based on polls and maybe just a, a feeling that he has, feels that the results will be a lot different this time around. And post-COVID, because I'm assuming he's hoping that this election will be after the vaccine, that post-COVID he has a chance to actually get a real quote-unquote majority. You know what I mean? The ability to form a government. Is that basically what it comes down to? That's one scenario. It could be that he's just doing this as leverage to force more accommodation and that he really doesn't want to go to an election. For one thing, nobody knows the outcome. The election wouldn't be held till probably at least March because you need three months notice. That that would be... um, But more likely like May or March, it would probably be April, May because of Pesach, because of other things. Uh, And actually when the government... Is suspended. The prime minister becomes much more powerful right. and can do a lot of stuff right. that he can't do because he doesn't have to go to Knesset for approval once the, it disbands itself. But the, um, so the, the one option is that this is uh, a ploy because it has to go back now to the committee. Gets a reading, then it's it's reported out for the first reading. Then it goes back to committee. Then it goes in back for the second and a third reading. <laughs> in between, there are also deliberations. So it's it, going to take some time till this actually happens. This is only a preliminary step. Uh, he looks and he sees that uh, Bennett is gaining on him constantly, and he has a chance perhaps to form a right-wing government. Never does um, well at the polls, as we know. Uh, that's right. And so, again, Israelis are proving the old adage that right. they tell the truth to the pollsters and lie at the polls. Correct. So the outcome is never the same as the pollsters predict. But the, the the opposition is so weak right now, or perceived to be weak. If they can make a unified front, you see that uh, Lapid and Gantz already are fighting, and the the um, well, they're not uh, the, the political veterans are not going to trust Gantz at this point. I mean, the way they look at it, he was just no. Going, but he, they were talking about a merger, and and Gantz said he would lead the opposition. Uh, Lapid said he won't, and Gantz said, well, you never could win anything, and you can't run anything. And we see that Boogie Alom uh, is bringing Eisenhower supposedly bringing uh, General Eisenhower on board, and he would have a new ticket. 
So I think it'll be, we, a lot of things have to settle down. We have to see whether, in fact, they, it's in their interest, and that will depend upon the polling as they get closer to having to make a final decision, uh, whether it pays for Netanyahu to, to risk it. Uh, remember, if there's an election, that sort of takes the pressure off with a new administration coming in because, you know, they can't be expected to take certain moves uh, so early on. Uh, they also... He has his uh, own considerations in terms of the legal processes and things that um, he has to take into account. I think people uh, are just resigned to this uh, system. Uh, the biggest growth industry is, is polling and elections <laughs> in Israel. And anybody who's perverse enough to think that this is uh, the most interesting story, um, I think has to be examined because this is – it doesn't look good. It looks. Um, yeah, you know who you know who could solve this problem in a who could solve this problem in a minute. That's Lieberman. If he would just you know if he would if he would. I, I mean, I know he'd be going against some of the things he's promised his constituents never to do. But if there'd be a way to compromise and get him to uh, to actually want to form a coalition with one of the major groups, then it probably would put an end to this. I don't know where he would be in the new next election, and it doesn't look like blue and white would do very well. So they, I'm sure that their polling indicates uh, all of these things. Look, they're riding on a high with uh, the Bahraini foreign minister being there, the right. overflight over Saudi Arabia, the UAE, um, the immense amount of interaction, as you will see when you go to the kosher restaurant, you probably have to wait online. The, um, the number of groups, even a wedding in the, in UAE, I, I think people should take it slow. I'm very worried that this is too much too fast. Uh, I like things built on the solid ground. But uh, when we see with Sudan that they're sort of pulling back now because they're trying to leverage the United States to give them, guarantee them immunity from cases here brought by victims of terror uh, that they blame on the Sudanese government. So the, the uh, that one is... Uh, sort of wishy-washy right now. But the, you know, so he has that. He has the accord, the battle against COVID. Uh, he is, they're fighting it valiantly. Unfortunately, there are upsurges uh, like everywhere else around the world. Uh, the economy, uh, that it's sustained the way it is, the shekel remains strong, is something that he can uh, point to. But, you know, the people, nobody knows what the people will do, what the demonstrations mean. Obviously, the polling shows that he would be ahead by five, six, seven seats right now. Right. And again, if it was post-COVID, some might argue that it'll just go up. Um, do you know, if you read the news stories carefully, it's possible that Israel's going to start distributing a vaccine in their country before the U.S. does here. Uh, I don't think so. They're supposed to get four million doses, I think, by the end of December. Um, but And they've also ordered from all the different places that are, are bringing, are, are producing them, they negotiated with everybody. So because they want to eventually be able to have enough to inoculate everyone. Right. So I don't know what, you know, every, this is still a gray area about how soon everything can be signed. And people, I think, will be hesitant at first to, to take it. But, you know, this is a different kind of vaccination. But the, the look, we look at the numbers, the people dying, the people sick, it's really frightening, and, and this is really critical. The only way is when a majority have the inoculation that we can gain control of this. Do you think that, uh, I mean, I know it's hard to predict, and it's early December, but, I mean, I've spoken to some doctors just asking, is it possible that by Purim late February or Pesach late March that, you know, this thing could really be rolling in earnest and that millions will be getting the vaccine? Do you think we're on that type of timetable? 
look, if we have the distribution systems, if we have the, um, you know, they have the order that the first uh, first responders, doctors, nurses, all of those, and then the very elderly and, and vulnerable, um, you know, people like you, and and then the uh, <laughs> rest, <laughs> then the rest of us younger people who, um, uh, so you know, the people will have many millions ahead of them online, but it's possible by I don't think necessarily by March. I think it'll be hard to have a the critical number, but. Uh, certainly a significant number, and they're mobilizing all sorts of resources here in the United States and, and elsewhere. Many countries have already used, planned to use their military right. to help administer it. So we're going to see, but at least there, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train coming at us. Right. After that joke about me, now you have to call ahead and make sure I don't have to stand online at the uh, restaurant in Dubai. <laughs> we'll you give you a recommendation. I, I mean, I was told that, you know, the best part about this job, I never have to wait at a restaurant for a table. I mean, come on, this doesn't make sense, Malcolm. What are you, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> Is so, it you, true? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see in Dubai if they, uh, yeah, they believe me. Make you- if I don't have to wait, I'll make a Facebook Live video about it. That I can tell you. <laughs> uh, all right, so the polls in Israel regarding the president, the next president of Israel, uh, there are people who uh, are, are, are encouraging Miriam Peretz that she'll be president. Some actually say Netanyahu mm-hmm. could be the next president of Israel. That would be interesting, huh? Yes. If Netanyahu would, I, I assume, by the way, I shouldn't make this assumption, but I assume he'd have to leave his position as prime minister, right? <laughs> Uh, yes, and the 32 ministry seats. I was just going to yes. say, you could be defense minister and prime minister, but you can't be president and prime minister. That would be that would. No, be... There is talk that that's what what he wanted. That after uh, Rivlin's term, and but I'm not sure right now that that's that's still the case. Uh, Yuli Edelstein, when he was speaker, was considered a prime candidate for right. it. I think that that may be less so, but I'm, I, I think that. He and many others have their eyes on, on that position. You know that Yehuda Glick is on the list? Of people running for president? Yeah, that's something. That's interesting. And Amir Peretz as well. Uh, right. Amir Peretz's name was submitted. Yeah. So, you know, but I think Rivlin has raised the profile in a way yeah, that he was true. very active as president. Certainly Peretz was. Um, so I think more people wanted. I think it's a great job. I wouldn't mind that job. Uh, very few jobs in Israel I would want, but you get the nice house in, in Rehavi, you get, you know. So anyone who thinks you have a section. similar job, they're wrong. Pardon me? Anyone who thinks you have a similar job, they're wrong. Either they're very wrong, <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but look, he, you know, he has a lot of influence in, in, in the way of moral suasion, and he was seen as a uniter at Rivlin. Oh, yeah. No and um, certainly built up the profile of the job. Finally, could Jordan lose control of Muslim holy sites in Jerusalem? No, I don't think so. I think there could be other parties introduced, and they're, they're fighting very strongly against it. Um, Saudi Arabia reportedly wants to have some role. They, they've always seen themselves because of the descendants of Muhammad. King of Morocco also sees himself as having a role there. Uh, Erdogan of Turkey has made clear that he, he sees himself having a role but Jordan was is particularly sensitive about it, and saying that they the control the waqf and there'll be no changes and right. the status quo has to be maintained. Um, but you know, Jordan hasn't been the ideal partner in uh, all the in its relationships with Israel. Uh, I know the king has a lot of pressures on him. There are domestic pressures. Uh, there's a, a you know a lot going on there that you know we rarely talk about, but it's um, not to be dismissed and not to be overlooked. Uh, the situation there. Uh, and uh, 
I don't anticipate that there would be a radical change uh, now in that regard. All right. Already looking forward to next week, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah, where you and I get to speak about the uh, the week in Dubai. And yes, there will be a weekly update next week. Everybody, please, God, it'll literally be the morning after we get back uh, from this upcoming trip. Malcolm, thanks so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Shabbos, a happy Hanukkah, and we'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week. God willing, and remember this week was the anniversary, is the commemoration about Jews from the Arab countries, 850,000 Jewish refugees, which gets very little attention. And welcome and, to all the Jews from Ethiopia who came and, this week. And uh, Right, I was just going to say that next, and that <laughs> uh, amongst the good news is the Ethiopian Jews who arrived, and, and supposedly 2,000 are going to come by January. Wow. And... Um, Right, so... Unbelievable, I'll tell you. And boy, the, some of them waited a long time. I've told you the story of the one who was in my apartment and speaking right. about the, their parents' struggle. My God, unbelievable. Uh, thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the a.m. I want to remind everybody that tomorrow night is the uh, dailygiving.org event. Daily Giving has a night of laughter, a night of laughter that's happening uh, tomorrow night with Elon Gold. Ellie Beard, a founder of United Atzal, is hosting, and the opening act is Ellie Leibowitz, who's also a great comedian. Uh, Join Elon Gold for a night of laughter uh, uh, from Daily Giving. It's tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can see it around the world. Go to dailygiving.org slash comedy, dailygiving.org slash comedy. Check it out and enjoy. Our community calendar, by the way, if you go to the community calendar section of NahumSiegel.com, the uh, time uh, events uh, that are happening this weekend are up there. The international uh, teleconference, um, the two international teleconferences that are going on. So check it out. Go to NahumSiegel.com. Click on community calendar. You'll have information about the organization, a time, uh, and their uh, events this weekend. And a big thank you to all of our uh, sponsors and all the people who are helping us with our mission uh, as we broadcast Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from Dubai, thank you to our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, TaxCPA2.com, Rosenbaum Financial Services. Thank you to Ariella Steinreich and Steinreich Communications. A big thank you to Cross River Bank. Thank you to Mayor Kruder and Kruder Photography. Thank you to Morty Getz and everybody at uh, ShopEichlers.com. Thank you to KosherTravelers.com. You'll hear more about them next week from Dubai, actually. Thank you to Aaron's Casino Farms. If you go to Aaron's, in Queens or Aaron's West Orange in New Jersey, you will find amazing specials, phenomenal shopping opportunities before Shabbos and certainly before Hanukkah. In addition to all the great food items and all the specials and the great shopping experience that Aaron's is, in addition to that, they have so many items specifically for Hanukkah to enhance your Hanukkah celebrations and to make your home even more Hanukkah-centric. You'll see what I mean when you go. Uh, phenomenal candles and oil lights, and of course, all these uh, decorations and decorative items that you can include for your Hanukkah celebration. So check out Aaron's, Aaron's Casino Farms. Uh, they're in uh, Queens, New York, casinofarms.com, and Aaron's West Orange in New Jersey, aaronswestorange.com. Check them out and enjoy. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden. Spiritual Leader Emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayishlach. Parshas Vayishlach is a very full parsha. It contains, according to the Chinuch, one mitzvah, a restriction 
The Jewish people are not to eat the Giranosha, the sciatic nerve, because Yaakov was wounded in his struggle, uh, in his wrestling with the Sar Shal Esav. And it's worth taking a look at the Sefer Achinuch on this mitzvah, mitzvah number three in the Torah, and the third and final mitzvah found in the book of Bereshis, whereby the abstaining from eating the Gid Hanoshe, according to the Chinuch, reminds us of the encounter that Yaakov had with his enemy, the Sarshal Esav, the guardian angel of Esav, and as the Torah says, and the um, this force wrestled with him, ad alos hashachar till dawn, and the Ramban says so powerfully that this is a portent. This is a prophecy that there's going to be the interaction with Esav till Moshiach comes, till the end of day, and Yaakov is hit in the area of procreation, namely, his children are going to be either or assimilate to Esav, or they're going to be persecuted by Esav, as history has shown. But the key point is, says the Chinuch, quoting and understanding the idea of the Rambam, that this is a very powerful, positive lesson, that even though Yaakov was wounded and he was limping, after this incident, ultimately, by Yisrach Lo Hashemesh, the sun shined for him, and Yaakov, quote, makes it to the finish line, comes back to Eretz Yisrael, so too will we, his descendants, we will make it through the long gullus, and we will come to the finish line, and there will be the coming of Moshiach, a very powerful um, Sefer Achinuch, who models his thoughts after the Ramban. I'd like to focus on the beginning of the parsha, whereby, as the name itself implies, Vayishlach, that Yaakov sends um, messengers to um, come on, meet his brother Esav, now that Yaakov is back in Eretz Yisrael, so now I always tell you there are no biblical stories, there are only biblical lessons. And I'm hoping that I can share with you a interpretation today that maybe we're not always uh, thinking about and aware of, and to see what a beautiful lesson emerges therefrom. And that is as follows. Who are these angels that Yaakov is sending? So, Rashi tells you, Malachim Mamosh, actual angels, not messengers. He's not sending spies. He's not sending um, detectives. Why not? We'll come back to that in a moment. And moreover, the obvious question that so many ask is, last week, when at the beginning of Vayetze, the Torah informs us 
of the incredible insurance policy that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised Yaakov, so, V'hinei imach, I am with you, Ushmarticha, I will guard you, Bechol asher wherever you go, V'ashiv bring you back, El to this land, Kilo ezavcha, I will not forsake you, wow, so I ask you everybody, if that's the case, why should Yaakov be so worried? Okay, so I'd like to um, share with you two teachings of the Rashbam. The Rashbam is Rashi's grandson, and he prides himself that he interprets the Torah with Pshuto Shomikra. He is giving you what you would call the literal understanding of the text. Now, the Torah says, Yaakov sends messengers, good, and Vayashuva Malachim, they return. And they say, Bano Esav, right, we've come to your brother, to Esav, and behold, he is coming, quote, to meet you, Meos Ish Imo, with 400 men with him. So what's Yaakov's response? Vayiro Yaakov ma'od vayetzerlo. Yaakov is very afraid, he's distressed. Why, says Rashi, vayiro shema yehoreik. He's afraid lest he'll be killed, because 400 men, oyayayi, coming, Yaakov is afraid, according to Rashi, physically, for himself and his household. And Vayetzerlo, what's he distressed about? Not only that there's a chance that he would get killed, but im yaharog, who is achirim, lest he kill others. So Rashi understands this in a very physical way. His grandson, the Rashbam, and I'm going to read it to you. Wow, listen to how he understands what the response of the messengers were. Says the Rashbam, We've gone to Esav, Vigam Hinehu Mitoch Shesameach Bivi Oscha. Esav is happy that you've come back. Ubahavoso Oscha. And because, quote, he loves you. He's coming to greet you. With 400. I'm reading from the Rashbam inside. To honor you. This is the literal understanding of the verse. And what does he bring as a tzushtel, as a kind of substantiation for this? Watch. He compares it. When Moshe was hesitating to go back to Mitzrayim, and Hashem says, go back, and your brother Aaron, who you didn't want to offend, he's coming to greet you. And what does the Torah say over there? He's going to see you, and he's going to be happy. So too, says the Rashbam, that this is the report that the men br- that the angels brought back to Yaakov is that Esav is wanting to greet you with open arms. Okay? Now, interestingly, this will help substantiate why does Rashi say, Malachim Mamosh? What's the difference? Are they men? Well, if he was 
looking to see how strong and perhaps is Esav coming to attack, he would send spies, detectives, to assess Esav's physical power. But if Yaakov is concerned about the spiritual threat, the threat of assimilation, that Esav is truly wanting to put his arm around him, embrace him, and as he actually says after they meet, come on, let's travel together, ay ay ay, Yaakov is exceedingly afraid of this a cultural, spiritual assimilation and this attack. So when he prays to Hashem, watch this. What does he say further on in verse 11? Kotonti, I have literally become small, namely, I've used up all my credits. Mikola chasodim mikolo hemes, from all the kindnesses and truth. Asher for that which you have, quote-unquote, already done for me. So listen to this Rashbam. The Rashbam continues and says that, Ulefi, because, because you have done so much kindness and good for me, Yoser minoroyli, more than what's coming to me. Vani adayin lo kiyamti nidorai. I didn't fulfill the vow that I made after that dream back 20 years ago at the beginning of Vayetze that this stone, Yiyeh, Beis Elokim, will be the cornerstone of a house of God. And whatever you're going to give me, Aser Asren Ulach, I've not fulfilled what you've told me. And moreover, and I have not lived up to my spiritual potential and worshipped you as I could and should. Therefore, I'm afraid, says the Rashbam, even though you've promised me, you fulfilled the promise in a physical fashion. You brought me back. You have not let me down. But I am afraid that's correct from this spiritual perspective. Why? Continues the Rashbam, you God judge man. And listen to this tzushtel. Listen to this connection. Just as before, he said, he compared Yaakov meeting Esau. He compared with Moshe meeting Aaron and Aaron meeting Moshe. Now, listen to this, he says. Like we find by Chizkiyot. Now, Chizkiyot was one of the very good kings in Israel. However, we find in the Gemara Brachos at the bottom of Daf Yudamad Aleph that the Navi Ishayo comes to him and says, and this is the Pasuk that he brings, that Meis Ato Velo He tells the Navi Ishayo, tells the king Chizkiyo, prepare your will, because you are going to die. Ay, 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 asks <clears throat> the king, why? What did I do? And the Navi says, because you did not engage in Piriyavarivya, you did not have children. So the king says, wait a minute, do you know why? Because I saw Binavuah, I saw with Ruach HaKodesh that I'm going to have a child who would be evil. Indeed, he does, and that's Menashe, 
who was very bad. So the uh, Navi says to him, wait a second, you have no right to get involved in God's matters. You have to do what you are told to do. You have to have children and not to ask questions. Now what happens over there? So the Gemara tells us very powerfully over there that the Navi says to the king, you ready? He says to him the following. For, yeah. He says, I have this Mesora from my grandfather, David Amelech, even if there's a sword, a sharp sword on the throat of a person, by the neck of the person, where it looks like, uh-oh, it's all over. Don't ever decease and stop praying for your help from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, similarly over here, the Torah is teaching us a very important lesson. Yaakov prepares to meet his brother Esav, as we know, with an elaborate gift, Ishtadlus. He prepares also for war, but he prepares for tefillah, that with tefillah, even though I'm not deserving thereof, which is what Chizkiyo Anavi was saying, I'm not deserving, so too Yaakov says, I'm not deserving, but you are the Baal Horachamim. And taking this one step further for us, we who are showered with so many brachos by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we dare not say, Kum tzimir, it's coming to me, just the opposite. A person should say, Katonti, like Yaakov says, whatever I receive from you, Hashem, is really more than what's coming to me. But, listen carefully, very important. Like the Gemara says in Kedushin, that we have within us a Yetzer Horah. We have within us that evil inclination which tries to uh, detour us and get us off the right and proper path from serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So says the Gemara, <clears throat> very powerfully, that, <clears throat> so fair, here goes, says the name of Reb Shimon ben Levi, Yitzro shall odor miskaber A person's Yitzhahara tries to overcome him daily. Umavakesh hamiso. And he attempts to literally kill him. Shenemar, quoting from Tilim 37, Sofa, Russia, Latsadik, Umavakesh hamiso. Here it comes, however. If not for the fact that a Kurdish Baruch Hu helps a person, ain yochol lo. You couldn't succeed. Our tefillos have to be not only Hashem, this person needs a refuah Not only Hashem, I can't balance my checkbook. Not only all our physical needs, but our tefillos to Hashem should be Hashem, help us in our pursuit of spirituality. Help us that as we come into this, quote, holiday season, which is a culture all around us,
that we should be able to stand strong, that we should be able to remind ourselves of Ashrenu Matov Chalkenu, of the privilege we have of being Jewish, of our tradition, of what keeps us going and what keeps us ever strong. And so, no Bible stories, only Bible lessons that as Yaakov, our father, prayed for his protection in the realm of spirituality, afraid of his brother's acculturation, so must we, his descendants, learn from him. Shabbat Shalom to all. Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Asharet, Malachi
In the AM. Wow. Micha Gammerman with that medley here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. We start saying the St. Talamutter tomorrow night. Don't forget, we start saying the St. Talamutter tomorrow night. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach, 408, candle lighting time in New York, 408. Um, don't 
Don't forget that Sunday night uh, I host the Kupath Ezra event online. Go to K-U-P-A-T, that's Kupa. oh, excuse me, K-U-P-A-T-H. E-Z-R-A-H.org, KupathEzra.org. Um, I host that on Sunday night at their big fundraising event. Make it a success, especially those of you in the Muncie, Rockland County area. Pay careful attention for the Kupath Ezra uh, event on Sunday night. I'll be hosting it and uh, looking forward to it. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. Make sure to join our broadcast by uh, tuning in. Should be very interesting. A big thank you to all of our wonderful sponsors, our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum Financial Services, TaxCPA2.com, TaxCPA2.com, KosherTravelers.com, Steinreich Communications, Cross River Bank, all of our wonderful sponsors, Aaron's Casino Farms, those of you who want a great Erev Shabbos Friday shopping experience. Go to Aaron's Casino Farms. Ooh, you'll be happy, let me tell you. If you're a great shopper, if you love to shop, you'll be happy with the shopping experience at Aaron's. Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens, casinofarms.com. Aaron's West Orange in West Orange, New Jersey. Aaron's West Orange.com. They have a lot of great items for Hanukkah. Candles, oil, plenty of great decorations and things to really enhance your Shabbos, uh, your Hanukkah table, rather. Check it out at Aaron's in Queens and in West Orange, New Jersey. Uh, time to take a Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift It's waiting there for you Oh Say good job is Cause all your work is done Gonna spend a day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing uh, Friday. <laughs> Arab Shabbos here at JM and the AM, and I thank all of you for tuning in. Naomi Nachman is next. After Table for Two, it is the uh, Erev Shabbos show brought to you by uh, our friends at Kedem. Mark Zamek will preside. Don't forget that the... Uh, don't forget that the um, final hour will happen at about 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Also brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And as I always tell you, they uh, if you're going to listen to one hour, make it the final hour. Mark Zamek does an incredible job putting that together. Uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night, single with Avrami. Matis has JM Sunday on Sunday morning. Monday, we're back with JM in the AM. And Tuesday, JM in the AM from Dubai. Imagine that. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Wonderful weekend, everybody. Till Monday, Nachum Single reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.